This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you are. Thank you so much for hanging out and chilling with us once again. Really excited about today's show. This is going to be a very interesting topic, one that I found fascinating, really dove into and got deep into. And, you know, one of the things unique about this platform is we have the luxury of and, and really the good fortune of a lot of people calling, wanting to put brands on here, want to talk to us, this and that. Some make, some don't. Some I don't find that interesting, to be quite frank. But this one I did. And this one I got into, I was like, yep, nope, I want to get this cat up here and talk about what he's doing, because I think what he's doing is pretty damn cool. And I think it's very inventive. And I think it's something that uh, not a lot of you are going to be hip to. So this should be a fun conversation. So let's get this bad boy rolling. Please, everybody, stand up, honk your horn, drop the weights at the gym, hide, get up from underneath your desk, hiding from your boss. And let's say hello to the CEO and founder of Produce Pay, Pablo Borges Schwartzbeck. Welcome, dude. Thank you, man. Appreciate you uh, having me and very excited to talk about the company. Yeah, I am too. I think this is really cool. I was really kind of stoked when, when you know, we kind of crossed paths and we came together and started talking about this. Like, whoa, these guys are neat. And I think this is going to be something people are going to be fascinated by. But before we get into my 5 million questions that I'm interested in about what you're doing, would you mind just taking a brief moment, just kind of tell everybody who you are, kind of give a little journey and bio of uh, what Pablo's about and how I roped you into hanging out with me today? Yeah, uh, happy to do that. So, so um, you know, like I said, like you said, my name is Pablo. Um uh, born and raised in, in farms, um, you know, as the name suggests, uh, I come from Latin America, specifically Mexico. Um, so I come from a, a very traditional fourth generation farming family out of Northwest Mexico, um, which is normally like the desert type. So they grow desert type uh, commodities like grapes and asparagus, which is what my family grew. Um, right. You know, grew in a very, very strong farming community. Like all my uncles were farmers. Everybody that I knew were farmers. It's funny when I grew up, I, I always thought that farming was like the center of the world. And then I came and I learned about the wider world out there, but I still, it still carries very deeply with my heart. But um, after I left my family farm, I went on to work for a very um, large LA based uh, produce distribution company. And what I did for them is that I actually helped them recruit farmers to ship to them uh, across all the Western hemisphere. So I would spend half the year in the domestic season. So places like Michigan, Mississippi, Florida, California, Oregon, and the other half of the year in uh, Latin America doing what we call the off season. And that right. got me to spend time in, back in Mexico, but also Peru, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay. Um, and ultimately that's when a lot of the ideas behind Produce Pay really came to play as I started like interviewing hundreds of farmers across the world and realizing that regardless of whether you were stateside or you know Northern or Southern hemisphere, um, the issues were like coming up over and over again. Um, so what I did is I said, okay, I need to figure this out. Um, I went to do my MBA at Cornell um, that is known for their ag school, um, which is why I really wanted to go there. Um, and then together with the university, they, they helped me put together the thesis behind Produce Pay, which is where the company was launched, after which time I moved it to LA, which is where I'm based now. Here I met my co-founder and we've made um, a great life ever since, really just focusing on helping farmers out. I love it. Yeah, this is going to be a fashion. This is going to be a cool story. Well, let's get into it, brother. You know, I, and I know this isn't you, but I'm going to ask the question to open up with because it's a buzzword out there today. The big buzzword is fintech, right? Which is you know financial technology. So what's it mean? I know, again, it's not really applying to what you guys do, but guys, I guess it doesn't touch probably, but, you know, explain what that might be. So people kind of get an understanding what financial technology is about. Yeah, um, you're right in that it's definitely a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. Um, my understanding of it, and, and, and mind you, like everything that I, that I say comes with a very strong bias towards the farm. But the, the way I, I see it, it's actually very 
straightforwardness. Every time you create technology towards offering a financial solution that didn't exist before or couldn't exist before, without that technology, you are effectively doing FedTech, right? That's why it's been like tech companies are normally the ones that do it because they build specific technology that helps you do that. In our case, what we did is that traditional financial institutions had a lot of issue in how they underwrote produce and ultimately getting behind the perishable aspect of fresh fruits and vegetables. So what we did is we actually built the model that's built specifically on the farmers pre-selling part of their crop to us, whereby we allow them to move uh, a portion of all their crops to us um, so that we can ultimately get it to the final buyer. But by doing so, we, we allow them to monetize through produce pay a, um, a significant portion of their crop ahead of time. And that way, if you think about it, they hedge a big part of the risk because they're effectively mitigating a big part of that uh, upcoming sale, right? And that's what we do at Produce Pay. We, we distinguish ourselves by understanding what farmers do and we go in and we visit every farmer that we work with. Um, and ultimately by doing that, we allow the farmers to kind of create some nuanced um, cash flow solutions that ultimately allow them to mitigate that risk. And that's why yeah. uh, what we do can be considered FinTech, yes. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but it's it's. But again, I love the bias towards ag, right? I mean, like you're like like the crowd you're with today is going to get you. you know, like you're not going to cheerleader on that comment. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. You know, I want to get a little bit deeper. I mean, you've kind of touched on what produce pay is. I think we're going to draw it out a little bit more through our conversation. But so tell me, what does? And I love this what you when you say this, and it's behind me, and it's behind me up on the screen. It's like you know, what does empowering grower from seed to sale mean? Yeah. So produce pay in like the grand, like I would say in the most general. Uh, way to describe it is a marketplace that connects buyers and sellers of fresh fruits and vegetables and provides the trade services, financing options, and sustainability services to achieve that sale, right? So what we mean from seed to sale is is actually very close to the to like how it reads is we get involved with farmers from like the very beginning before they even plant the crop. Like, what do you want to do? Like, and we allow them to assess the feasibility of their project. Like, are you growing in the right time windows? Is it, is it, does it actually make sense for you to grow that commodity during that time? Are you going to be competing against the U.S. domestic season? Is that good or is that bad? Should you do it? Should you not do it? Obviously, in this case, I was talking about a foreign grower, but you see the case. It also happens on the analog when you're doing both. So we actually get involved in that part. We, we, we uh, assess the feasibility of their project, and that's based on the fact that we, we're, we're, big, we're big guys in the kind of jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Like we, we're, we're fruits and vegetables only. So like we consider that to be our expertise, and we consider that when we evaluate an option, we have a pretty good idea of whether it's going to be a good play or not. And then we do everything that I mentioned, right? We allow them to pre-sell part of that crop they're going to plant before they plant it so they can have the capital to do that correctly. correctly. And then we accompany them. Because the moment that we get involved, they have to upload to our digital platform what they plan on selling. And then immediately the marketplace allows people to bid against that product. And one of the biggest problems that we're solving or we're trying to solve this is food waste. Like the amount of food waste, and that's a different topic of its own, but like to give to give you like the long story short, 52% of the produce of US like incorporates, whether it's domestic or imported, like never actually gets consumed, which is like ridiculous, right? So Mm -hmm. the the sooner you can get, you can make these offerings available to the market, like at the point of planting to allow people to bid against it, obviously with some way of managing that as the season progresses, um, then ultimately the more you can make sure the product will go immediately to people that need it and you can avoid that food waste that comes with it. So like that is what we do. We get involved before the seed all the way until the product gets sold, delivered, and paid back to the farmer. And that's what we mean by seed to sale. 
I love it. Well, you know, Harry, I'll give you a little food waste stat that I throw this one all the time because I think it puts into perspective. In the United States, our food waste issue is the equivalent of every single American, every American, almost 350 million people throwing away 650 apples each. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. You're, you're right. I mean, and, and the problem is not just the U.S., right? It's, it's, it's worldwide. No, it's global. It's huge. It's huge. And, and, yes. And, and that's why it's funny you mentioned that because in the beginning of ActTech, um, which was, I would say, really around when we were born, like all the way 14 to 15, where the big yeah. companies started popping up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody was obsessed about yielding, uh, about increasing yields. And then very quickly, people realized like, no, like we actually have a lot of food being produced. We're just not getting it to the right people. And now everybody's realized like, it doesn't matter if you produce more food because if you're wasting so much of it that if you don't fix the leaky faucet or ultimately the, the, the leaks in the bucket, like you can't, it doesn't matter how much water you pour, it's just going to pour out, right? So yes, Correct. Like, the amount of food we waste is so large that you can actually solve world hunger if you could redistribute that to the people that need it. Like that's that's a very powerful statement, right? Like you have to let that land. Like that's big. It is. And you're right. I mean, look, it, it is. It's we have a huge problem that I think we're working diligently to tackle. And, you know, the problem is we weren't tackling the problem as the industry scale, we were tackling it 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right now we're trying to make up for lost time. And it's, 100%. it's a, it's a, it's a big boat that's way far away from the dock right now that we've got to try to get back. Yeah. And right. we're also doing it a hard time because as you know, logistics have become like a nightmare since oh. the pandemic started. Um, so like we're doing it at a time where it's hard, but you know, we got to fix it. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to throw you a, a, another question, kind of a two part question, if you don't mind. One of which is, is you talked about coming up, you know, your family in an ag background. So you've got a great perspective. You know what it's like to sit there, you know, at home when it's raining and, you know, folks aren't happy or it's too hot or whatever the case may be. Right. You've dealt with that. In yeah, the house, I know right? what it's like to sit on the field when it's raining. Yeah, it knows yeah. yeah exactly. Agreed. But I mean, you know, you know what that feels like from the family perspective. So what you lean in, you know, on your journey that made produce pay a reality. And then I'm going to throw a second part is, you know, and just kind of saying that and then coming from the angle of like what problem are you solving out there today? Yeah. So, so as far as what I lean on and, and, and you've, you've kind of hinted to this a little bit in that, yes, like my traditional farming background is by far the biggest strength I've had towards doing this. Like one of the biggest reasons why, in my personal opinion, why technology has failed to adopt to some of the more traditional industries like agriculture is because there's a very large cultural divide between what it is to, you know, and, and I don't mean to, to like put about it. It's just a different reality. It's like what it means to be home writing code and what it means to be putting your hands in the farm, trying to rescue your crop. Right. And right. that cultural divide has, has really alienated either one side or the other. So I would say my ability to lean on my on my background, my family, um, you know, um, my upbringing, but then but then also in the, in the things like I did, like my like, you know, going to school in America to understand like to, to understand what agriculture was actually like in a modern country. Uh, and then also my co-founder who I found later on that came from a financial background, like my ability to use my traditional upbringing, then like bridge it has really been what I would say, the thing I lean on the most to kind of get us here. And as far as the problems that we're solving, we've, we've kind of touched upon them um, in, in a few ways, but I would say first and foremost is the amount of like food and economic waste that happens. And, and let me, let me dissect that into two pieces. Yeah. The um, a lot of the waste comes from the inefficiency in the supply chain, which ultimately comes not from the fact that produce perishes it's by itself, but ultimately the fact that there is not a transparent and trustworthy means of communication between parties that lets mm -hmm. people 
that let's free market dynamics reign to find the best buyer and the best seller to kind of get to each other. And that lack of trust and transparency ultimately creates a lot of middlemen that are ultimately providers of trust to the other to just the next step and and you ultimately creating a lot of middlemen that that allow for that food waste to occur and then the second is ultimately the fact that because a lot of the produce that that we consume today like to give you some stats like the average piece of produce that we consume in the united states and this is the average includes everything domestic and international travels 25 well 1600 miles um, is handled by four to eight middlemen and is priced up three to six times. So the amount of waste that happens there is massive. So what we're trying to do in produce space, we're trying to create technology to allow not simply for these dynamics to disappear, but, but to create a transparent mechanism where people feel comfortable that they can trade together mm-hmm. in a way for, to let free market dynamics ultimately create either the financial solutions, the access to market, or the trade assurance protection that, that, that you need. And by doing that, produce space ultimately becoming that de facto source of trust. And what I mean by that is if people trust the system that produce space is creating, the platform itself, they don't have to worry about having all these middlemen trade because they understand that it's about just letting free market dynamics reign. But that's in order for that to, to happen, produce space has to take on the, the very large responsibility of saying, if the produce space platform told you you were going to receive X, I have to pay you X. And, 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 and conversely, if the produce pay platform tell you we're going to receive X product in X date, we have to make sure that it happens. Like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to let free market dynamics flourish by creating a new environment of free trading that mm-hmm. is backed by produce pay. Right. I love it. Well, there's a lot, you, you said a lot, there's a lot to unpack. I want to come yeah. back around to the first thing that you talked about, which is the economic waste, right? And you talk yeah. about you're eliminating upwards of 50% of that, you know, which is increasing the value to everybody, obviously. 100%. Right. I mean, you know, I, I go, go back to the food waste conversation. Number one way to reduce food waste, work to increase consumption of fruit and vegetables. Right. 100%. So it's kind of, it's kind of the same mindset. So I'd like to go a little deeper if you wouldn't mind about that. I know you did that, but do you have some examples of, of that that you can kind of share? Specifically of, of what? Of, 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 of the economic way. Some of the examples of what you've done with folks, how you're kind of leading that charge. Yes, 100%. So um, ultimately, the way we measure, the way we measure farmers' ability to succeed over the time at Produce Bay mm-hmm. is in twofold. Their ability to use our services to get closer to the final end buyer. And we right. measure that by their performance relevant to the benchmark performance, right? So ultimately, if a farmer has been with us four years and he is perf- and he was performing at 70th percentile of the market and he's still performing at that five years later, that means that we failed. It means that we're not adding value. If a farmer has come to us, if they've used our service, but they've now increased the percentile at which they are in the market, that's how we ultimately judge them because we're not here to decide who the right buyers and the right sellers are. We're here to ultimately decide, are we getting you as close to a fair market price as possible? And that's why Produce Pay, amongst the services, the one like one of the biggest services that we have, probably our most popular service, which is also free of charge, is we actually publish the market prices that are prevailing in the market. And we do that so that people understand what they should be expecting to sell their product for so that they can be either swindled or handled into giving a cheaper price because somebody has a price asymmetry information. Let's say the price goes up and the farmer does not yet know because he's geographically remote as most farmers are. Sure. A middleman could come in and they could say, hey, I'll give you $2 more than last week. And they might say yes, but they might not know the price already $10 up. So our ability to make that price is aggregate and available to all is huge. And that's why like our, our insights platform, which uses information from the USDA, 
and from our own private trading data, which is now over $4 billion a year and all the stuff ultimately is, is now the single most used pricing index of its kind, right? So in many ways, I would say if you think about the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Board and what mm-hmm. they do with like wheat, soy, and non-perishable ag, that's what produce pay will become in the future if we're successful for perishable produce. It's like a, a free market dynamic that lets people know what pricing is now in the future and allow people to ultimately optimize for the ultimate value. But but to do that, we have to create the underlying infrastructure to require that. That's why we have to provide financing solutions to ultimately create efficiency, right? So right. um even though our goal is to create free trading, you realize, okay, why are they focusing on financing and that to do free trading is because we have to create the underlying instruments to allow people to maximize their trading value. Yeah, no, well, really great point because people I don't think recognize, especially consumers don't recognize that a produce is no different than coffee, gold, silver, whatever. It's a commodity that goes up and down. You you could wake up at $10 and by 9.30 you're at seven or you're at 17, right? It just, it all varies because it's supply and demand driven. Granted, there's a lot of transactional business out there that's just pretty cut and dry, but that market still lives. And that market is still, to your point, if you're not in the know, it could be a very expensive lesson you're going to learn at 2.30 in the afternoon that you probably should have grabbed at 7.45 in the morning, right? 100%, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So like what we do is we, we allow people to sign up and we ultimately push notifications. And so if there's like a price alert, when like price goes up, like they would get to know and they, and they get to know as fast, I would say, as anybody else in the industry. And by doing that, we're ultimately eliminating those arbitrage positions that would be detrimental to the farmer. Right. Because sure. in, in our opinion is, I mean, the farmer takes 90 percent of the risk and ultimately based on all the food ways that we've discussed, they barely get 40 percent of the of the return. Right. So that doesn't make sense. And, and if you think about it. One of the biggest, like, we've all gone through the pandemic. The entire world has gone through it. We've all seen what happens when supply chain is um, is ultimately challenged. And one of the biggest things we've learned is that food security is actually not something we should take for granted, especially in times of difficulty. Um, now, imagine if farmers are incurring all that risk and have so little of the return, what does that mean as far as the ability for us to count on these farmers going forward? And, and like, that's something we're trying to mitigate, right? Right. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost a hundred years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. So I want to throw another question at you and talk a little bit about, and I think this is good to frame up as we, as we dive down this trail, is share a little bit about how traditional ag capital works versus how produce pay works, yeah. because it is, it is a lot different. It is, it is completely different, yes. Um, traditional capital works in the way that most capital works in that a for the for the lack of a better word i'm going to say banker a banker would look at a farm and they're going to look at the traditional assets that they can use as collateral against funding right 
Um, this normally means land, equipment, machinery. But a little known fact, and this is very true in America, as it is in at least the rest of the Western Hemisphere, is most produce is actually produced on leased land. Uh, but right. even the produce that is not produced in leased land, the, 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 the land is normally used as mortgage for the acquisition of the same land. So if you think about it, the single biggest source of investment that farmers have is what we call at produce pay, the perishable biomass that would one day become a fruit and vegetable. So in other words, is they're feeding the plant for months, sometimes even years before they can get any fruit out of it. A traditional bank, they will never value that perishable biomass for anything. So that creates a huge problem because unless you're really strongly capitalized, it's very hard for you to invest properly in the farm. This also creates an unfair advantage for smaller farmers that are trying to grow that have less, call it, of a capital base to do that. So we did a proof we said, you know what? The banks can keep their traditional assets. We don't care about those. Let's make it our job to understand what that future crop is going to be worth. And let's just be the best in the world at telling the farmers based purely on what they have put on the ground, nothing to do with anything before, what we believe that is going to be worth. And let's allow them to pre-sell. So we don't, we don't lend. What we do is we actually buy the produce ahead of time, which is different, but it allows the structure to work. And, and for the sake of the grower, it allows them to get capital. Um, so we tell them, let's allow us to pre-buy a, a year to multiple years of crop from the farmer. And by doing that, he can better prepare himself to get to the farmer. And let me give you examples of how that works. Let's yeah. say you're buying inputs, which, for example, today with the war on, on Ukraine, uh, input uncertainty has become a huge problem, right? So right. it's hard for you to make an investment if you don't know um, how much inputs are going to cost for years from now, because you're literally rolling the dice. So if you pre-sell 20% of your crop, then you can secure the inputs for the next three years. And by doing so, you can have certainty. So that's ultimately how we come to the growers and we help them use the ability of mitigating that risk by sharing it with a counterparty, i.e. produce pay, uh, and, and by doing so, emboldening farmers across all capital segments to ultimately feel more structured about doing it. Also, given that you know, produce pay, again, like we've made it a job to consider ourselves to be knowledgeable in the space, we also give these guys comfort as to whether their investments, we believe they're sound. We also publish white papers we share with them to understand whether, like what the risks are, right? So for example, if they're going to go into a new commodity, we say, here's a white paper where I can tell you the most common pests and plagues that happen in your area. And by doing that, they can understand what they need to reserve against and what they need to protect themselves against, right? So in a way, call it Prospect becomes a silent investor in all these crops that, that shares on the risk of that future crop as opposed, to, as opposed to taking away the farmer's assets to do that. And that's why right. what we do is completely separate from what traditional financial institutions do, but that's also why we're now the fastest growing funding source for, for um, produce farming in the Western hemisphere, because we're like, we're, we're giving the farmers the ability to monetize on something that they themselves believe firmly exists. And now we are recognizing that value as well. Well, you know, look, farmers are the biggest gamblers on the planet. You know, I say it all the time. Every five, you know, they lose money for four and make it in one, right? Every yeah. five. That's just, I, read that's a I read a poster once, which I love. And it's like, you know what they call farming? Legalized uh, gambling. Yeah, it's, it's it really is. And, and, and 100% true. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you've not been on a farm or been around farmers, spent a life, you know, I've had the good fortune being around it. Look, there's a level of stress and strain that you can't describe unless you're sitting in a room with somebody who's facing these challenges that are out there. 
you know, you, you brought up something that I really, really love. And I want to kind of come around to this. You know, you talk about long-term relationships, right? Which is what you're about. You're not, you're not just popping in like, you know, you're not just popping in. You're there for the long haul. You're yep. really providing long-term relationship and transactional security, you know, which I give you a two-part question, I think, in some ways. It's like, you know, why do these things matter to family farms? You touched on it a little bit, but coming from your own perspective, again, you know what it's been like to sit around the table or sit on the back of a tractor, you know, listen to the old man pissed off about what the world's cards, you know, literally what Mother Nature just dealt him. But, you know, so I'd like to know a little bit about what that means and why that matters to the farms that you work with, but also, too, why it matters to you personally. Yeah, 100%. Right. So, so, um, yeah, that's that's a, it's a, it's a very strong question. I mean, like there's 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 a lot of ways to answer it, but I'll try to answer it. I think in the most um, authentic way that I know how. Yeah. Uh, first please. of all, um, I'm a farmer, so I know. I I try to I try to understand the farmer mindset as much as possible. And farmers are they're they're they're, they're unique breed in that farmers have a very long memory. Uh, um, and because a lot of farms are intergenerational, they have a memory that often transcends the life of the individual farmer all the way through their family. Correct. So ultimately in a farmer, when you're in, you're in, but when you're out, you're out, right? Um, which means that you have to be very careful about what you promise, regardless of what you put on paper. It's like whatever I as a CEO say to a farmer, like even if it's not included in a piece of paper, like they're going to they're gonna take me up on that. And that's very important. And, I, and you have to recognize that that's a difference from farmers based to other businessmen where ultimately you'd be like, no, if it's not in the contract, it doesn't work. Like farmers don't think that way. It's like, if you gave me your word, then ultimately that means more to me than a contract. You have to be very, you have to understand how precious a farmer's trust is. That's mm-hmm. one side that's very important that, that ultimately I would say that comes more from my traditional upbringing. If, if, if I would just phrase it some, some way, yeah. Um, yeah. That I think it's an important thing to recognize. And I think it's produce based ability to recognize, which is why it's, probably the only uh, tech startup in the U.S. that's actually been able to scale the level that we have uh, across the entire like Western Hemisphere and across different countries because we we bring that same cultural farmer mentality across any farm that we go, and I think it resonates. The other one is, is the following, is farming is getting very tricky in the sense that farming is one of the biggest source of greenhouse emissions in the world. And... Farming for the long term and farming for the short term have never been so divided as they are now. And what I mean by that is that if we don't create a relationship where we can ensure that the farmers are doing the right practices across that can ultimately be repeated, I would say, indefinitely, which means using the proper amount of water, putting nutrients back in the soil and making sure you're not ultimately exploiting the land in an unsustainable way that you can't ultimately bring it back, um, then, then we're creating a problem, both from a business standpoint and a, reputation, and a reputational standpoint. So in, in our mind, we have ultimately four pillars in how we look at a farm. And I won't go into a lot of detail because I was diverging from the question. I can if you want me to, but, but what I would say is the most recent pillar that we launched um, and that we're launching now, and this is in, in, in tune with what we at Produce Big call Sustainably Source, which is the initiative that we're launching in this matter, is that everything that we do needs to be able to be done in posterity. And I think the only way that Produce Pay can really grow in its reputation in the long term is by letting the farmers know and the markets know that we're only abiding for practices that can be done in perpetuity, if that makes sense. And that right. not be done if you don't sign up for the long term. Right. No, I 
well said. And, 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 and yeah, I, <laughs> you guys are just so unique. I just love this. That's why I said, I knew this was going to be a good conversation for folks, but I want to talk, I want to, I want to come in because you, you planted a seed of thought that, that I want to kind of capitalize on, especially while I have a thought at my age, um, <laughs> but, you know, from, but from the buy sell side of things, you know, why somebody like a produce buyer, why a retailer, whoever it might be needs to look here, because one of the things I thought was really unique about what you do. And I got a couple of different questions down this train, but, and you touched on it now is that, you know, you talk about a, a pre-vetting process with your growers and, you know, you really, you, you literally use the word they're, they're top tier people to work with. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that. You know, why, why does that matter? And what kind of assurance is that getting back to ultimately your end user? Yep. A hundred percent. And, and, and for, I would say never before in history have consumers cared so much, not just about what they eat, but how it was produced. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, 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 when organic really came to play, people said, you know what, it's not just about getting calories. It's about making sure, making sure the food that I eat is tell it's actually long-term healthy for me. And then consumers went beyond that. And they said, it's not just about the food being healthy. It's about making sure <coughs> that I can look at a farm and ultimately see how they treat their farmers and see what they're doing to the soil. And I can feel comfortable that I'm not eating a piece of fruit that it's happening or being grown at the expense of those people or those call it farming areas. Right. And, and the truth is, not this is movement has become so strong today that a lot of the big retailers, like I would say, and this this might be, this is a bit of an educated guess more so than a fact, but I would say most of them today have actually made very strong commitments to lower the I would say like to lower the environmental detriment that their sourcing actually produces. Right. And the truth is, you can't do that successfully unless you can actually go back to the farmer and you can understand exactly how something was, was produced. And that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, something that's impossible today, given how the supply chain works. Right. So what produce pay does is every, like every farmer that we work with, we audit them ourselves either on a monthly or sometimes either twice a month. And every time we do, we publish the latest results of that audit online. Now, every time a farmer comes to the marketplace to move their volume, that information is available. So when you connect a farmer to a buyer, you, you're not just allowing the farmer to represent himself and cut out middlemen, which allows him to get more profit to himself, but you're also making him accountable to have to be, to have to show his face and open his, like every practice in his farm to not just the buyers, but ultimately the consumers behind it, because you become accountable. And that yeah. creates not just more reward for the farmer, but also more responsibility. And in our mind, that's how you ultimately create the ultimate alignment is when a farmer knows that Walmart, Costco, or any retailer, Kroger, anybody in America that wants to buy produce will actually get to see what he's doing in his farm, regardless of where they are, the US base or internationally, um, which you need both to supply 50 weeks of the year, then ultimately you are creating an incentive for them, or I would say aligning incentives for them to actually put their best face forward. And that's yeah. why I believe that direct sourcing is the only way to create both a more sustainable, call it pay model for the farmer where he can, he can reap the rewards of his own work and risk he took, but also at the same time, 
and a, a level of accountability that they do. And the truth is buyers are following this message. They're saying, yes, like the only way I can actually deliver on the promise that I've made to my shareholders or my consumers that I'm going to either, you know, lower the carbon footprint of the pros that I source is by actually showing that I can audit that at for every load of produce that I bring in, right? And something that a lot of people don't know is produce is the highest grossing item in grocery stores. So if you can't lower the carbon footprint of the produce section, you can't, it's hard for you to do it for your general store. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, you, you bring up a really great point. And, and the word that comes to mind in some of what you said that, that is, I think, most concerning that people don't really lean into is there's a big issue out there with fraud today. I mean, you look at certain countries out there in the organic sector, fraud's a big deal. You know, being accountable, uh, being transparent of your accountability is really important. And I think it's really interesting how you literally put the grower front and center, right? It's like, hey, if, you're, if, you, if this is what you want, if this is what your future lies and who you want to be, then there's a level, there's a benchmark that we need to live up to, to hold to a higher standard that, to your point, ultimately serves everybody in that equation of economic waste. A hundred percent. You do make it harder for farmers yeah. and corners to get away with it, but ultimately it's what consumers want. And the great thing is every time a consumer votes with his wallet, they are creating change. And, 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 and that those things are happening. That's why these, these big retail companies that I mentioned have actually made these commitments because they know that's what consumers want. And they know that if they don't do or they don't ultimately commit to the things that consumers want, they're going to lose them to those that can't, right? So yes, like I think it creates the best incentives for the best farmers to rise and ultimately for the mo- most fair treatment of the good farmers to rise as well. So I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you have something too that I want to... Lean into as well. You know, you you talk about topics about your guards. You do certification, productive capacity, export history. I mean, you you hit a whole bunch of topics. But one of the things I found incredibly fascinating that you put up, that you actually talk about, that you're willing, you know, that, that's in front of everybody, is you talk about their financial history. Yeah. Right. I mean, you really. I mean, talk about peeling back the quote unquote onion. So, wh- you know, what does it mean? And why does it matter that that's a part of the equation as well? And what yeah. confidence? You know, really, maybe it's better coming from an angle too about the confidence that it portrays. Yeah, 100%. So um, by, like, we have to understand, ultimately, there's four pillars to how we get to know a farmer. There's the farming technical. So are, do they know what they have to do in the field? It's administrative financial, which, as you mentioned, it's commercial. Do they know who they're going to sell to? And it's sustainability. The financial piece is important because ultimately, we have to make sure that we help the farmer best plan for what's coming. We have to make sure that they're ready for for the weather events that statistically they might not know that they are facing. They have to know for the market dynamics that they do. So by ultimately by creating a benchmark for the financial information they have to provide, we ultimately go through an exercise that requires both companies to invest time and effort that plans against the different risks that could come up, right? And this mm-hmm. ultimately means reserving time in case there's rain and you need to uh, make sure that you're ready to, to phase that. It means making sure you're positioned economically to make the best of a potential increase in prices. Like, are you, do you, do you have the, the latent labor available in case that, you know, you get like price goes up and you can, and you can monetize in that. So it allows us to really get to a level with farmers where one, like we become embedded with them because at at that point it's like, we are sharing on the financial risk and reward of that farm. And we're also helping bring some of the things that, I would say that we are good at that we can help them understand and think about, right? So it, it, it ultimately helps us add more value, if I were to say it in another way, by 
showing farmers or asking questions um, or preparing for scenarios, I would say, that farmers often prepare for, but might sometimes miss a couple. And like, that's why getting into that level of connection works. It also means that we create the relationship that is required for us to really share risk. When you share a, a crop risk with the farmer, you're like, you are, you, I mean, you are in the little sense, like you're betting the farm together. Um, and, and we try to make them feel that we have as much at stake as they do. Um, and, and, and ultimately to make sure that they do see us as partners. And that is one of the steps that we ultimately formalize that relationship. Yeah, I love it. Well, and and one of the things you guys do, I think that's that's really important, is that you talk about getting on site, right? You you go down and visit people. You're not just you're not just sitting in LA, phone, you know, quote unquote, zooming it in. But you guys are, you know, you're doing on ground inspections. You're down. You're you're vested with with personnel and with people going down there. So talk a little bit about when you go down there, what that process is. What are you looking at? You know, um, you know, what are you looking for? Maybe things like that. And how is that information shared? Yeah. Um, so you're right. We, we do have what I would probably say a, a best in class um, farm, like field ops uh, team. And, you know, it's funny, historically, when we're trying to raise venture capital, people saw that as a negative. But we said, no, like this can be done very effectively and um, very economically. And it's actually a competitive advantage because yeah, when you can look at the big retailers in the face and you can say, we will give you the utmost transparency that you could ever want without you having to make that investment of your own. And you can piggyback up our own, own economies of scale in this matter. You create trust with the buyer side, which you, you have to have. You can't find the best buyers if you don't create that trust. So Correct. what we do is very simple, uh, Todd. We actually make sure that what they told us on paper is actually real. We make sure that if what they said they had, they actually have it. And, you know, obviously... You know, for the m- most part, that's always the case, but sometimes it's not, right? And, and we have to make sure um, that we don't raise capital for a farmer if we can't vet firsthand that what we're investing on actually exists. Um, yeah. That's one of the big things we have to do, yeah. And like, I know it sounds simple, uh, but we have to. And, and the truth is, there's a lot of ways that you can, like, it's very easy to miss that, even if you have like, like geo, like even if you get satellite imaging, it's very hard to miss. Like you have to look a little bit in this case, literally in the weeds. Like you have to make sure that they're applying the right products that they're taking the right things. It's not just a matter of can they grow the product. It's also a matter of, again, like you have to mention is we're making very strong commitments to our buyers that our farmers are the best in the world, right? Like we're, 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 we're saying, and we're putting a reputation at the stake saying these farmers are doing things right. We have to make sure that we can actually, that we can, that, that we actually mean that, and we can prove that, right? So it's about making sure they're applying the right, the right stuff, that they're not applying the wrong stuff, that they're taking right. actions, and they're actually also that they're treating their people right, right? So ultimately, like that's what we do. We, we ultimately make sure that they're doing what they say they're doing, and they're doing it right. And and that's maybe a very simple way of saying it. We we measure over two hundred variables, and I, and I could spend all day telling you what those are, but. I would say in the simplest way or form. And I also like, I would say in this industry, being simple helps. Like trying to sound a little overly fancy is not something this industry uh, appreciates. So I would say in the easiest, but also truest sense of the word is, are they doing what they say they're doing it? And are they doing it in the way that if we were to share this publicly with the world, would we be proud 
of have of of being invested in this farm, and that's what we ultimately do with these side visits. Well, yeah, you, and you said it earlier. I mean, you're embedded with these growers, right? So, I mean, if it's raining, you feel the rain in Los Angeles. If they've got issues, they're your issues too, which is which is really you know a unique position to be in because of the way you have embedded the way this business runs, right? You you're all in too, right? You you have as much. I mean, it's all you're all together on that boat, right? You're you're we paddling to. you're you're paddling together or you're bailing together, right? Whatever 100%. way. And, and it Is happens. And when, and when they fail, we have to work with them. Um, like, especially when it's out of their hands, we have to work with them to get them back on track. Right. And, and you're right. And that's also why, why we have the farmer's trust, because we go to that level of, um, again, of, of like sharing that risk and we earn their trust by doing so. So yeah, we, we have to, it's the only way to really gain the trust of a traditional group that historically doesn't trust outsiders very much. Oh, hundred percent. Well, and, and, when you go down and you make these visits and you go through the motions and you see what's going on, do you share that back on the network? So do your buyers, yes. other people see that they were there? So you, you write a report that says, hey, you know, I got there on a Wednesday and blah, 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 blah. And I left on Friday or something along those yes. lines. So Farmers see that. Farmers see that the moment we do it. And then buyers see that when the farmer posts volume in the marketplace. So we don't proactively publish those. So it's not like, hey, I want to go in and I want to see uh, what every farmer participates doing. No, it's more like, I'm, I'm interested in buying carrots. Um, I have found a good carrot provider um, out of, you know, uh, let's say California. And, sure. and, um, and, you know, I like the brand. I like what they sent me, but I actually want to know, I actually want to know, is this guy legit? Is he doing things? Again, same, same risk that we're trying to mitigate. And th- these people would actually get to see that level of detail before they close that, that, that purchase option. And, and that's how we share it. We don't share it proactively. We share it before you have to make any long-term commitments so that you ultimately know uh, and you have as much information as possible on who you're sourcing from. That's a big level of transparency, brother. That's a big level. I think it's the only way to create the right incentive for both sides. Well, yeah, no, I totally get it. I mean, that's again, hence the reason why we're chatting because like, okay, these guys are doing something completely different, which is pretty cool. Let's talk a little about something that's got to be capturing growers' attention. You touched on it a little bit earlier. I want to kind of get a little bit deeper into it. Talk a little about this quick pay process that you yeah. guys do and, and, uh, and, what, and what it's about. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost a hundred years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. So, so yes, yes. I mean, QuickPay product is a way for produce pay to ultimately fulfill on a promise. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Yeah. The marketplace, and I mentioned how we're trying to, to make produce pay the de facto source of trust. So when we introduce people, there's ultimately um, an unknown, which is the counterparty going to do what they say they do. 
So QuickPay is a way for, for the farmer to say, listen, Produce Pay, I love meeting this farmer. I absolutely want to work with him, but um, I don't know him. So I want you, Produce Pay, to ultimately take the risk that comes with waiting for that payment. So when they request QuickPay, Produce Pay effectively pays the entirety of the invoice back to the farmer, um, except for our fees, which are like low single digit uh, commission. And then Produce Pay gets all that risk. So it's a way for the farmer to get cash up front, yes, but the way that we see it is more of a trade assurance product because we're telling the farmer that, so let me say it another way, QuickPay is only available or is primarily available for the farmers that we introduce growers. And it's a way for us right. to tell the growers, I would never introduce you to somebody whose payment risk I wouldn't be willing to take on myself. And it's, it, it's how we ultimately solidify that position uh, of making ultimately participate a de facto source of trust, right? So the way it works is I introduce you to somebody, you guys come to, to trading terms, you sell to them, you deliver, and then you can say, produce pay, I want to be, I want to get fully paid out of that invoice. And I want you to collect whenever the farmer pays. Um, and I'm comfortable like, in, in, like and, and you keep your fees, but I'm ultimately paid out. And that's what quick pay does. It, so it allows farmers to ultimately be able to monetize a crop, uh, like their shipment, which is important because a lot of crops can need short-term cash when they're during high season peaks, or like I mentioned, when the price is going up, you want to be able to like sell and, and harvest more. Uh, but in its in its core, in its center, what it's meant to be, it's meant to be a promise from Produce Pay that says, I will only introduce you to people that if you say Produce Pay, I want you to, to like, I want to be paid out. I want to, and I want you to bear that risk that we are comfortable doing that because we would never introduce you to somebody where we can't take that commitment. Oh yeah. That's 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 a baller move, dude. That's <laughs> really what it is. It's a baller. We, we move. have to. We have to. We, yeah. we thought we thought about it a long time whether we did it, and, and it was a hard sell for some of our more financial people because they understood the risk that it took. But ultimately, it came down to we're either creating a new and we're either creating a, a different and I would say a, a better environment for trading, or we're not. And if we're not willing to get behind the people that we introduce, then we shouldn't be introducing them in the first place. And yeah. that's ultimately what swayed the audience, right? So we did the analysis and, and we found out that the people we were introducing were ultimately good people. So we took it because it was a good bet to take, but but it was also a powerful statement to make inside, which is like, don't introduce anybody whom, whose risk you're not willing to take yourself. And, and I think it, it created alignment between our commercial teams, our finance teams and our risk teams, because everybody said, okay, like, let's make sure we bring in the right people to the marketplace. Well, you know, I got to tell you, dude, I, very candidly, I can hear the multi-generations of your background coming out in produce pay because you come from a background where a handshake meant everything to grandpa and to pops and to everybody else generation that you went through. And it still does today in this industry. Yeah. And a lot of what you're doing, in my opinion, is the integrity wrapped around a handshake. And it's powerful, man. It's a very powerful tool that you guys are throwing out there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I um, I I won't lie. I feel I I do feel very proud of the fact that I'm trying to make a difference in the industry of my forefathers. I feel like you know they would be proud that you know I'm trying to usher the industry into the digital era. Obviously, not by myself, but like at least I'm a raindrop in the in the in the in, in the river that is trying to make that change, right? So yes, like I, I I like that. I like being able to look at my grandfather and my dad, um, who are both still with me. And um, and it'll be like, this is how I'm giving back to the industry that's giving us so much. And yes, it it uh, it keeps me going 100%. So thank you for saying that. It means a lot. Yeah, no. It, well, look, I, I mean, you're, you're giving a percentage of the grower in the product lands. 
but you're waiting until the buyer sells a product to get paid. That is not normal, right? That's a part of this process. I mean, it's got to be getting a shit ton of attention from people because it is not so normal. And, and you eloquently said why you chose that path. And I think we come back around to the handshake comment I made. It's impressive, man. I mean, you are, you're shouldering a lot of risk. Um, and quite frankly, you were doing in some ways unnecessarily because because the industry isn't going, it doesn't go this way. And so that's what I really find to be so fascinating that you look at this from those those eyes that I bet you were sitting on the end, you know, sitting on your dad's lap on that tractor when you were six years old, wide looking at the world, realizing that, you know, through your journey, that it's the way to go to make a difference. And you're empowering farmers to be more successful. I, slam dunk, dude. I, I like it. I like it. I mean, I like meeting farmers and I like, I like, I'll be honest, like getting praise from a farmer does go farther for me personally than maybe getting praise from like an investor or somebody else. Right. And, and, and I get it. It's my bias, but I feel that it's, that it, that it works. And, and I like it, to be honest. Like, I like, like I said, like, I like being the, I like being the farmer founder, if that makes sense. Right. And, 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 uh, and, and, and yeah, I like, I like what I do. Thank you. I, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. Thank you. Hello. So how many countries are you guys in now? We are in 10 countries um, across North and South America, uh, but these 10 countries ship to 41 countries uh, across four continents. So we're, okay. we're, um, we're, we're very quickly becoming worldwide and, and our intent is to become the largest produce trading hub in the world, right? We, we are, I would say, um, we could already boast of being the, like the fastest growing produce trader in the Western hemisphere, but um, that, that's still a, a few steps away from, from saying uh, we're the largest produce trader in the world. But again, like, it's not a matter of being the largest it's a matter. It's, ma it's a matter of, of standardizing a new way of doing business that farmers think is fair. And that's really what, what drives us. I love it. And, and how many folks are on board? Um, I mean, people or farms? Yeah. Yeah. How many farms? Yeah. Sorry. How many farms? Yeah. We have about uh, a thousand farms on board. So uh, yeah. So uh, some of these are, are, are like big family farms or smaller family farms. But what I mean, like, like these are businesses and often multi-generational businesses. So we work with farms that that we believe are, have our like-minded individuals and together um, we, we command now about $4 billion of produce trading, which is um, it's a pretty big size. 4 billion kids. That's four with a B. That's, 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 that is not, that is not laying around in anybody's ashtray in their car right now today. That's a big amount of money that you're putting into the, to the, not only the economy, but you're putting in back to the farmer and the key word back to some of these family farms, which is even more important. If you don't mind, I got, I got to pick your big brain now. I got to ask you a little bit. And I'm just going to throw you a big, broad question. What are you thinking about the global economy right now as it's relating to food and, and some of these economic stuff that we're dealing with, not only as a nation, but really on a global scale? Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's, it is a broad question, but, but I think it's a relevant one. I think, um, I think in, 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 in this can be perceived positively or negatively. I'm, I'm more of a glass half full kind of guy, but um, this industry has, has highlighted two things, um, sorry, like recent economic events have highlighted two things. And, and when I say recent economic events, I mean everything from the pandemic all the way to the food crisis that's rising from the war in Ukraine, right? Um, it has it is taught the world and developed economies that food security is not something to be taken for granted. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, something that a lot of us, including myself, had gotten too comfortable to the idea of there always being food in the grocery store. And then at least for the start of the pandemic, we started getting worried about like, that might not be the case. And I think that's good awareness for people to have, um, to be able to know that they have to be conscious about what food security means. Um, second, 
it highlighted the large logistical inefficiencies in the industry. So I'm actually like it's it's highlighted good things that ultimately or good realities that people needed to trust. Like, and, and, and again, like I don't mean to be facetious or, or, or knock on anybody, but when I started the uh, when I started Produce Bay in 2015, Actec, nobody cared about Actec, to be honest. Like people cared about the next photo app or the next, you know, and, and then Correct. it happened and people realized like, shoot, like, like there's, there's basic necessities that we need to cover. So Actic has gotten a, a lot more focused since then. So I would say it's definitely worked for the better to the industry. And it's definitely highlighted problems that we need to address. And those problems need to be addressed now because if we had food insecurity today, when we produce enough food to feed the world, imagine what's going to happen when we don't produce enough food to save the world. There's expected to be 10 billion people in the next 20 years. Exactly. Like what's going to happen when we have a double whammy, uh, when we have improper logistics and inefficient food, the the problem is just going to exponentially get worse. Um, So, and again, it's me maybe being a glass full, uh, half full kind of guy, but I, um, I, I kind of am, am happy that we're highlighting these issues now when we have ample food production, because, because if we don't solve the problems in the next 22 years, before we get to like that big number, like $10 billion number of people, mm-hmm. we're going to have a much bigger problem. So I'm glad that, that, that we've got an investment focus. I'm glad that people are worrying about these things today. And, but I'm also hoping, and again, same being optimistic that people actually do something about it. I'm hoping that we will, right. we will fix that. I'm hoping that the next time that you and I talk, um, the food waste number will be down from 50% to maybe 20%, right? And yeah. it's not optimal, but at least it's, it's a huge step in the right, in the right direction, right? So like, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, again, like I'm hoping that, uh, that this increased awareness will drive change um, because we need to. Otherwise, like it's going to be a much bigger problem. And, and that, that same worry or concern that faced, that millions of Americans faced at the dawn of the pandemic when they were worried about you know, having food to their families is going to become a reality if we don't fix those problems today. 100% agree. Look, food insecurity is a security problem. 100%. Right? Yeah, we have to be cognizant of that. And it's why these conversations are so important to keep them elevated and people realize that, you know, it's going to be a big problem if we don't start to pay attention to it. What's next for you guys? Give me some breaking news. Anything exciting coming up for the rest of this year? Yeah, um, I would say two things. One, uh, we're formally launching our sustainably sourced uh, program, which is what I mentioned, and right. it is the first program in the history of fruit and vegetable uh, certification that will actually get to measure um, and track long-term uh, carbon footprint initiatives and reduction, which is huge, right? Because like yeah. I mentioned, this is a big priority in consumers' minds. And, and, and I'm happy to say that um, through so- strong partnerships and a lot of like self-investment, um, we I've formally created this initiative and we're formally launching it uh, later this year. And then secondly is the same um, assurance product, which you mentioned, QuickPay, we're now launching that to, to both product because historically we've done it for product that has been traded within the United States, but now we're doing it for product that's being imported from outside the United States across the entire world. So we're allowing um, international farmers to benefit from this same trade assurance that comes or the same promise that I mentioned um, regardless of where they're growing the products. So we're very, we're very, um, we're very excited because there are two things that I think are very in line with uh, the things that I mentioned to you that we're trying to do, right? So I would say these are the two things that personally excite me the most is our ability to create a new standard uh, that will help us make sure that we're in these farms for the long run. And then the fact that we're providing the same level of service regardless of where you grow your produce so that we can make sure that uh, when Americans need product, um, 
they can have 50 week supply, right? So if you want to have strawberries in your in your in refrigerator all year, you can actually do that, right? And, and and we need to make sure that we protect not just our source of foods domestically, but also internationally, because again, like in order for us to have fresh fruits and vegetables across a year and to keep our diets and to ultimately have cheap products across a year is to bolster supply across the world. And that's what we're trying to do. I love it, dude. You're a baller. That's why I said yes. That's why I said get on this show because I Thank think you, what you guys I, are doing I, I is the super cool. Thank I appreciate you being here, brother. I really do. Thank you for hanging out with me. I'm glad we did this. An open invitation. Come back. I want to keep talking about this. We could, I could have gone on for another hour asking you more questions. We didn't even get deep enough in the economy in my mind, but it's all right. I don't care. Well, it's another reason to hang out and do this again. Super proud it. of what you guys are doing. Congratulations to you and the team. Uh, keep it going. Everybody go check them out, man. They're worth checking out. Get online, get on the Google machine and check them out. I really do appreciate you being here, man. Thank you, Todd. It's something I'm passionate about talking to. So thank you for, thank you for having the, the interest of talking about this. I, I can do it all day as well. I, I love it. Everybody go check them out. Produce Peg. Get online, hit the Google machine, check them out on social media, whatever it is, run into them in Orlando in a couple of weeks, whatever it might be. Super cool conversation. And I'm glad you guys were a part of it hanging out. Remember, check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversations. We're there because that's where the cool kids are. So we hang out there with them. We appreciate you listening wherever you are. We really do appreciate your support. Come share your story with us. We love talking about cool stuff. Doesn't matter, produce, whatever. We'll go all over the board. We just love talking to people that are making a difference in the world, just like what Pablo's doing. Take care of everybody. We'll see you soon. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's really important. Take care. <laughs>